Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast. Today we are going to be coming from a story which many people are familiar with and it is the story in the Bible after King Saul has died and David is made aware of it and most people are aware of the story between King Saul who was the king of Israel and hated David because of jealousy and he spent many years trying to kill David and his men unjustly and it really is looking at how we react when we're being persecuted and people are doing things against us and how we react and really making the choice to do the right thing and there is a famous quote which says doing the right thing is not the problem knowing what the right thing is that's the challenge. So let's get started. We're going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 31. And this covers when Saul, just before Saul dies. And I want to backtrack to that because there's some relevant information in that. And then we'll go on to 2 Samuel chapter 1. So in verse 31 of 1 Samuel, it says, The Philistines fought against Israel and Israel's men fled from them. Many were killed on Mount Gilbo. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malachusha. Probably pronounced that wrong. When the battle intensified against Saul, the archers caught up with him and severely wounded him. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through with it, or these uncircumcised men will come and run me through and torture me. But his armor-bearer would not do it because he was terrified. Then Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, and that's very relevant, he also fell on his own sword and died with him. So on that day, Saul died together with his three sons, his armor-bearer and all his men. When the men of Israel on the other side of the valley and on the other side of the Jordan saw that Israel's men had run away and that Saul and his sons were dead. They abandoned the cities and fled. So the Philistines came in and settled in them. So basically, the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines and the result is the Philistines win. They defeat Saul, they kill all of his sons and they kill a lot of the Israelites and the rest are there, they, they flee and the Philistines come in and take over the land. So now we go to 2 Samuel chapter 1. And this, I'm not going to read everything. I'm just going to kind of recap. So it starts off whereby David is approached by a young man. I'm just going to read that section because it's relevant. After the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites and stayed at Siklag two days. On the third day, a man with torn clothes and dust on his head came from Saul's camp. When he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David asked him, where have you come from? And he replied, I've escaped from the Israelite camp. David asks, what was the outcome? The man replies, the troops fled from the battle. Many of the troops have fallen and are dead. Also Saul and his son, Jonathan, are dead. Now what's interesting is, David asks this man, okay, where have you come from? And he says, I've escaped from the Israelite camp, but he's not really 
exposing his identity, which we later on find out that he is an Amalekite. But he doesn't say that initially, which I think is interesting. Um, as soon as he says he's fled from the Israelite camp, if you have to flee, you know, David's concerned, okay, did they win? Did they lose? And he, he asks him what the outcome is. And he basically tells him the, 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 the sad news that many of the troops have fallen or dead. And he only mentions Saul and Jonathan, which is very interesting. He doesn't say Saul and his sons, because it, it tells us earlier in um, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel that all of his sons were killed. It just He just mentions Saul and Jonathan, and I think that's really relevant because he knew, he probably knew, I can't say this for sure, but this is what I suspect, that he probably knew about David's relationship with Jonathan, and that's why he highlighted him. And um, so this... My whole, I mean, even how the way he approached Saul, I mean, David, he approached him with torn clothes and dust on his head. Now, that could have been just being weary from traveling. But I wonder, because that was also a sign of mourning. When they would mourn for someone, they would tear their clothes and put dust on their head. And so I wonder if he wanted to appear like he was mourning, even though he's going to go on and later on, I feel the motives are not quite pure, which I don't want to kind of go ahead of myself. So David asks a young man, this is chap, this is verse five, sorry. David asks a young man, young man who had brought him the report, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And he goes on to say, I happened to be on Mount Gilbo, he replied, and there was Saul leaning on his spear. At that very moment, the chariots and the cavalry were closing in on him. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me. So I answered, I'm at your service. He asked me, who are you? I told him, I'm an Amalekite. Then he begged me, stand over me and kill me, for I'm mortally wounded, but my life still lingers. So I stood over him and killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he couldn't survive. I took the crown that was on his head and the armband that was on his arm and I brought them here to my Lord. Interesting. Before I go on any further. So he basically is telling his version of what happened, which if you go back to 1 Samuel 31, it's kind of different. In in chapter 31 of 1 Samuel, it's basically saying that um, Saul died And in fact, let's go back and look at that because I think it's really relevant. It says, when Saul's armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, and that was a bit that I said I wanted you to pay attention to. And why I feel that's so relevant is, when Saul asked his armor bearer to kill him initially, he won't, he was terrified to do it. He felt like, David, I'm not gonna touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not killing you. Now you gotta remember, armor bearer took their role very seriously. They counted the person that they were, protected more worthy than their own life so he wouldn't kill Saul I don't believe somebody that felt that strongly about protecting their master's life is going to kill themselves until they know for sure that their master is dead and it basically is telling us when the armor bearer saw not fought but saw that Saul was dead I'm pretty sure he waited and made sure that Saul was dead before he took his own life and so this young man's version is completely different and I believe this is just my own belief that he was witness to what happened but I don't believe in his version I believe there was an ulterior motive of why he came to David now you've got to see he does announce that he's an Amalekite when he's repeating back to his conversation with Saul 
But he's kind of doing it like, he's saying it like, I was doing Saul a favor. At the same time, I'm doing you a favor because this man was after you. He was your enemy and I killed him. And now you can be king. Notice he says, my Lord, I brought them here to my Lord. He is looking for some kind of reward, some kind of pat on the back. You gotta remember, the Amalekites are enemies of the Israelites. And so these are some really important points. And it goes on to say, David took a hold of his clothes, tore them, and all the men who were with him did the same. They mourned, wept, and fasted until the evening for those who died by the sword. And it, in verse 13, it says, David, after they mourned, wept, after that period of time, David inquired of the young man who had brought him the report, where are you from? And the young man says, I'm a son of a foreigner. I'm an Amalekite. And David questioned him, how is it that you were not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David summoned one of his servants and said, come here and kill him. The servant struck him and he died. But David had said to the Amalekite, your blood is on your own head because your own mouth testified against you by saying, I killed the Lord's anointed. And then David sang the following lament for Saul and his son, Jonathan. And he ordered that the Judahites the Judahites be taught the song of the bow and then it goes on to relay the, the words of that song so I want to kind of just pick out some really relevant points because I really feel that this story really gives us many great examples of what it is to be a godly leader and anyone can be a leader you don't have to be in a position of so-called authority to be a leader as God's children we're all leaders okay I think the And there's five valid points that I noted from this story that I want to kind of go over in this podcast today. The first point is lead by example. And and I think David exemplifies this perfectly. Love your enemies and do not rejoice in evil. Now, David had all rights to be really happy. Him and his men had all rights. They had been fleeing from Saul and his army for years, living in really undesirable conditions for no good reason. I mean, they didn't do anything to deserve this. Saul has just been on the attack because he was so jealous of David and attacking him for no good reason. David had so many opportunities to get rid of Saul. He chose to do the right thing. And 1 Peter 3.9, I I feel that this particular scripture really, really displays this, where it says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, Repay evil with blessings, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And that's so powerful, because it's so easy when someone has done evil to us, or insulted us, or wrongfully done something to us, for us to kind of feel we are justified to act ugly too, to repay them with what they gave us. And God's word tells us, no, that's not what you do. And the flesh... The devil, they would love you to act. It's easier to act ugly. It's easier to respond in anger. But it's so much harder to refrain yourself and do the right thing. Jesus taught this when he did the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, where he said, if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even unbelievers can do that. Basically, how we identify ourselves as children of God is by acting different. It's by not giving people what they justly deserve. So that was the first point that I really wanted to highlight was lead by example, which David demonstrates that. The second point is walk in obedience always. Now, you've got to look at this story. 
how did Saul basically become disgraced and basically lose his anointing and stop hearing from God? This happened going back earlier in 1 Samuel 15, where he was told to attack the Amalekites and completely destroy them. Destroy every single one of them. Men, women, children, cattle, everything. Not leave anything breathing, anyone breathing, to remove all their possessions. This was the directive that Saul was given by the prophet Samuel, who was told this by God. And Saul knew his directive, but he chose to not do it the way God said it and he kept some alive and he kept some of the possession and uh, well he was allowed to take the possessions but he kept some alive he didn't kill everyone and he when he was approached by Samuel he tried to justify his actions rather than repent knowing that he didn't obey God's instructions and so it's ironic that it is an Amalekite that comes to David with this story telling David that, oh, he's dead. Now, the Philistines were the ones that killed Saul, but maybe if he had done what he, I believe, we don't know for sure, but I believe if he had done what God had instructed him to do, number one, this would not have happened. That's my belief. So, I also feel, and like I said, this is just my belief, that part of the reason why David responded to the Amalekite the way he did was because he remembered what Saul should have done and didn't do. And he was being obedient to God. You know, God says, destroy them. Now you've got to remember, when God released the Israelites from Egypt, the Amalekites were the ones that came and attacked them. So God was mad with these people. You know, these were Israel's enemies. They did not mean the Israelites any good. So David knows all of this. And so that's why David was like, you know what? I'm following what God's directive is. Kill them, demolish them. You know, there's that human nature in us is, oh, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe they're not all so bad. God knows why he said to destroy them. And so I think that's a really relevant point. So we've got lead by example, walk in obedience always. The third point that I want to I wanna highlight on is how we act influences others. Now if you go back in the story after the young man had told David this news about Saul and and, and Jonathan straight away David is distraught with grief and he tears his clothes and he puts dust on his head as I said before which is a sign of mourning and then it goes on to say that all the men with him did the same and you know in retrospect you've got to remember that Saul was after David and anyone that was with David would have been Saul's enemies. So they were all fleeing for their life. And these men have witnessed for years now running from Saul, not because of anything they've done, just because Saul is acting like a crazy man. And having to live in caves and live in really difficult, uncomfortable conditions. And they've been given many opportunities to get rid of Saul and David chose not to and so I just believe that some of these men were probably saying this is good news but they weren't going to show that to David because David was their leader and they knew David was a godly man remember this is a man that God describes a man after God's own heart they knew this was a godly man and so they wouldn't display this but they would do what he did 
And I really feel that we can really apply this to our own life. No matter what we do, what our job is, what our position is, we all have people watching us. And we all can lead by example. And I just feel that this really exemplifies that they followed David's example of mourning and grieving and fasting. The fourth point that I wanted to mention was seek God first before reacting. And I think that this is highlighted when we look at verse 13. So David's gone through the grieving. They, he said that, you know, they were mourning, they were weeping, and they fasted until the evening. And then in verse 13, it goes on to say, David inquired of the young man who had brought in the report, where are you from? And I really believe in that period of mourning and grieving and fasting, that was a period where David sought God. He was he was truly grieving because he loved Jonathan like he loved himself. So this was, you know, he had made a covenant with Jonathan. This was this was his brother in the spirit. And, so, and, and, and I believe he loved Saul too. He honoured his position, that's for sure. And he was grieving, but he fasted. I believe he didn't want to react in anger. And, you know, we, we can see examples of when David did react in anger with Abigail's husband when he insulted David and David wanted to kill him. Well, we see that in this chapter, his response is totally different. He could have reacted in anger when he heard that this man did this. And he knew how many opportunities he had to do that. And he didn't kill Saul. But he fasted. He sought God first. He didn't react out of his emotions and his feelings. He sought God first. And I believe as a result of him seeking God, that's when he inquired of God inquired of the young man and he inquired of him where are you from and that's interesting because earlier going back to verse 3 he asks where have you come from and where have you come from is different to where are you from and the young man had told him that he had told Saul he was an Amalekite but I feel there's a relevance to this because if you go on to see when he says where are you from the young man says I'm the son of a foreigner and then he says, I'm an Amalekite. Now, why did he say it in that order? We don't know for sure, but I suspect he was trying to make it seem like, okay, yes, I'm an Amalekite, but you know what? I'm a foreigner. I'm not really from them. Okay? My, you know, my father, he was a foreigner. He wasn't a true Amalekite. Because he's realised now, this thing has not turned out the way I expected it to. I expected when I came and told David this news, they were going to be rejoicing, holding a party, lifting me up, honouring me for doing this thing. You know, they were going to be so happy with me. They were going to give me some, maybe some financial reward. Maybe, maybe invite me into their camp. But it didn't go that way. No, the reaction was totally different. They're grieving. And, and I'm pretty sure during this time of grieving and mourning, Someone's wondering, okay, what's going to happen to me now? Because this is not what I expected. I expected David to take the take take the crown, take the armband, and they were going to go just it automatically just you know announce him as the new king of Israel. But this, has, this hasn't happened. And I believe when David inquired, "Where are you from?" I don't believe he said it with a smile on his face. 
Bible doesn't tell us that, but I'm pretty sure, based on my beliefs, based on how this story is planned out, that he wasn't happy. And that's when David goes on to say, how is it that you were not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And in verse 16, David had said to the Amalekite, your blood is on your own head because your own mouth testified against you by saying, basically, you, you did this to yourself. I don't even believe that David believed that he killed him. But David, David, I believe, felt, you know what? You wanted, your motive was a pure. And you cannot be trusted. And so, you did this to yourself. And so that's a really relevant point of seeking God first before we react to a situation. And then the final point, which is point five, David demonstrates what true forgiveness looks like. And I really feel throughout this whole story, David has demonstrated this. I mean, the whole story of Saul and David, David demonstrates how we should treat our enemies. It's very hard for us to do this when we're actually faced with a situation where someone has done something wrong to us which we didn't deserve and has treated us really unjustly. But David really demonstrates what true forgiveness looks like. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God called him a man after his own heart. He writes a beautiful song in honour of Saul and his family. And he doesn't just write it. Okay, he orders that it be taught, meaning he wants this song to be around for generations to come. He wants Saul and his family never to be forgotten. Imagine, this was a man that was his enemy. This was a man that David risked his own life to honour as king. And then this man came and attacked him for no good reason other than jealousy. This was a man that when he was depressed, David would try to cheer him up by playing songs to him. And this man turned on him. How many of us have people who have turned on us, unjustly so? We didn't mean to hurt them. We didn't even know what we've done to them and they turned on us. But look how David responds. He writes a song in honour. And if you look at the words of the song, if you read from verse 19 all the way down to 27, there is not one negative thing that David has said about Saul or his family in this song. It's really it's really more about Saul and Jonathan. Because you've got to remember, at, at this time, maybe David doesn't even know that all of his sons um, were killed. But it's just so beautiful, it really demonstrates what true forgiveness looks like. And there is one point in that I wanted to just end the podcast on. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honour all people, love all believers, and honour the king. And I feel that that is so relevant to what we see David demonstrating. Yes, David is, I mean, we are to honour all people. God desires us to honour all people. But he also says, honour the king. And David demonstrates this in the way that he honours Saul. Not because Saul was godly. Because we see that many of the things Saul did was very ungodly. But because of his position in authority. And I feel that's why in 1 Peter 2.17, God mentioned honour twice. Honour all people and honour the king. He specifies that difference. And I feel that relates to 
you, you, you should honour all people, but especially those that are in high position of authority. And that applies to whether it be a parent, whether it be an employer, whether it be someone in a position of authority in the government, in the monarchy, whatever the position be, you should honour them. And so we've learned some valuable lessons from this story and I hope that it blessed you and I hope that you'll go on to read it for yourself and allow God to pour into you maybe more revelation and, and, and you know, just making it relevant to your own life. But I just wanted to end this with a quick word of prayer because I feel these lessons are so relevant to us, we want to seal it in prayer. Please join me. Dear Lord, I just thank you for all the ways that you have shown us how to treat those who treat us unfairly and unjustly. God, give us a heart like you gave David, quick to forgive, quick to do the right thing, regardless of how that person has treated us. God, I pray that we will learn from the examples that you've given us, that we will follow them, that we will use these anytime we are faced with challenging situations where it's so easy to respond in anger, it's so easy to respond in our feelings, it's so easy to be tempted to do wrong or to treat this person the way they've treated us. Help us to remember these lessons and to walk in them. Father, I pray that if any of us are harbouring unforgiveness in our heart, that you will help us to get to a place where we can truly forget and we can move on. Because your word says, Father God, that when we do forgive others, that we inherit a blessing. And I believe that blessing are the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, joy, love. And so, Father God, I just thank you, Father God, that you will help any of us when we are faced with these challenges. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you that may be listening to this podcast today. I pray that this will be an opportunity for them to seek you and to get to know you and that you will draw them close to you and that you will become their Lord and Saviour. I thank you for all these things and I seal it in the precious and beautiful name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. I pray that it blessed you and I pray that you'll share it with someone. Bye for now. Until next time.